Hi there, it's Chrissy, your Dungeon Queen, and this is the first episode of my campaign, Ashes from Time. I'm recording this in the future, and I've done my best to remaster the pretty poor audio mixing of this early episode. This campaign started with a bit of world-building-y exposition that I gave to the players. Originally, this was just flavour that I didn't plan on incorporating into the story, but things ended up changing, and I realised that I didn't like what I'd written before. So to stop it from getting in the way, or from confusing anyone, I've just decided to update this episode. Otherwise, everything is the same as it was back in 2017. Consider that a warning. And welcome to Travellers of the Unknown, Ashes from Time. Trinkets of Trident, Part 1. This is the same night for us. It's a new podcast, but it's the same night as when we finished Pebblesmith for us. Uh, so if we're a little fatigued, that might be why. Oh, I'm, I'm getting to my stride now. I've also been up for like 27 hours. So. <laughs> that might be an issue. How you doing, James? I'm good. I'm uh, hyped and I'm excited. Hey. Sick. I'm, I'm glad. Okay, so basically how I'm doing is at the start of every new kind of chapter or section, I'm going to read out a thing like I did at the start of Pebblesmith, a kind of a bit of lore. So. Cool. Okey-dokey. It is 60 years after the events of Pebblesmith. It is a time of peace throughout the continent. The land here is divided into provinces ruled by individual peoples, each with their own separate laws and morals outside the control of any one crown or government. The largest of these provinces are the lands of the elves, humans, orcs, dwarves, and halflings. The year is 1120 CE, Common Era. 1,120 years ago, marking the start of this calendar, an event known as the King's Conquest took place. During this time, one individual managed to amass enough power to conquer the entire continent, taking land from each of these five largest kingdoms and forming a new province directly in the centre called the Crown Land. He called himself the King of All and maintained this rule for over 600 years. It's debated whether he was elven or a human who had passed the title down through generations, or perhaps he was something else entirely. This period, known as the Age of Unity, is shrouded in mystery. His rule concluded with the burning of his grand castle after two decades of bloodshed. Following this, rather than attempt to war over what ruling party should control what used to be the crown lands, the surrounding powers eventually agreed to leave it to fend for itself. It became known as Labequam. With a mixed population of all peoples and kin, it's more commonly known as the Melting Pot province. Here there is more freedom, and more chaos, than anywhere else. In an attempt to protect their own, the neighbouring powers set up border towns in the melting pot, which would be loosely governed by each respective party. For example, the city of Trident 
borders the human province, and peace is maintained by a ramshackle city watch made up of human officials who've been demoted or punished by their stationing here. Triton itself is a place of wealth, full of tourists who travel along the great river that leads all the way from the ocean right through the continent, one that boats frequently travel down to make port and trade. It's in the city of Triton, at one such port, that our story begins. Very nice. Sick. So for the uh, for the readers then, um, Plague Master Harriet is currently stood at the docks of Trident. Uh, he has recently just got off the boat sailing from the west to the east. No, it was sailing from the east to the west. I'm afraid. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> had one job. You had one job. Get start. Restart. Roll again. Okay, so you've just gotten off of a big boat that was carrying a lot of um, supplies and stuff from the islands that you come from. There are more rows of uh, more wooden piers in big lines everywhere you look to your left and right, stretching on for miles. It's a huge dock. There are boys or kind of I guess, would they have had boys at this time? Like medieval... Oh, oh like oh, boys. Uh, they put something in the water. I'm sure they could have constructed something. Fantasy boys. Fantasy boys. <laughs> fantasy boys, like our fantasy boys. And they spelt with a U. Oh. Those are all around, and, and then there are uh, ships docking onto them and connecting to them to stop from bowing away. There is a big... Um, yeah, there's a big tarp with a man at a desk uh, with a pair of glasses. He's a small, uh, just a human man sat there. You know, he seems to be a member of the City Watch. There are fences around. This is, like, where people come in. This is, like, uh, essentially the border but for when people come in from the docks. It's processing. And on the other side, yeah, on the other side you can see markets and carriages and various robots boats and paddle boats owned by the citizens of the of the town who would row up and down the city streets in them. Essentially, think of this as like fantasy Venice. This is what the city is sort of like. <laughs> so, uh, and Plague Master Harriet, or whatever you want to call him, just Harriet, I suppose, who is Matt's character. Yeah, should I, should I tell them who, who he yeah, is? Yeah, let's, uh, let's give an introduction to Plague Master Harriet, who has just stepped off the boat. Okay, Harriet, uh, or Plague Master Harriet, is a, a young man a uh, very troubled young man who's who's fled his homeland uh, after being embroiled with a uh, a church called the Basilica, which was a travelling caravan that would go from town to town dealing with plague. Um, however, it, it, you know, although he loved it and he felt very at home there, uh, he eventually found out that they were the ones causing the plagues and that he had been, although a very savage fighter, he had le- learned his skills on, on innocent people. And, and this has led him to, to, uh, to, to flee and, and live a life of regret ever since. Very broody, very dire, very sort of dour uh, character. Uh, and he wears uh, a scarf around his neck, which is a, a tapestry of his uh, of symbols to do with his homeland. Uh, and occasionally wears a, a leather bird gas mask, which he only stowed for now, as the plague masters are feared. Did you like my idea of having him wear it as armor, like a shoulder pad, when he's not wearing it on his head? Yes. Well, for now, obviously, he's, he's got it in, in his satchel. He's trying to, you know, get away from that. So here you are. What are you going to do? I am going to. Well, Harry wants to move inland. He wants to get away from the coast. So uh, I'm going to try and find the processing center. I'm guessing that's what these fences are for. Yeah, the fence. And that's the big uh, tarp, tarp right there, where the guy is, uh, the man is stood underneath with like a clipboard. Okay, I'm going to uh, approach the man. Uh, the person who was just ahead of you has just been processed. He looks up at you. Um, right, name? Harriet. Uh, last name? Doesn't matter. Hey, I don't care. Whatever. Um, Harriet Smith. Reason for entering Trident? Visiting. I'm in transit and traveling. Mm-hmm. You've just come in from a. Uh, 
supply boat, I see. Yes, very kindly they had a few of the people coming in there. Let me pass it. Alright then, uh toll's gonna be three silver pieces and I'm gonna need you to hand over your bag just quickly. Why do you need my bag? Oh, just to check you're not bringing anything like fire potions or bombs or anything, you know? Typical procedure, I'm sure you're aware. You can kind of smell alcohol on this guy, you can tell. The city watch here, as I described in the opening, aren't taken very seriously and he's been drinking for sure. Reluctantly, he hands over the, the money and reluctantly hand over my bag. Looks inside, uh, starts rummaging around your general adventuring equipment and rope and stuff. It's all very typical. He comes across the plague doctor's mask and looks at it for a moment and goes, Found a fancy dress. Sure. Ugh. Actors, that's all we need. Ties the rope of the, the satchel back together, gives it back to you. Okay, you may enter. He clips open the gate and lets you pass. Okay, Harris strolls through, doesn't say anything, just shrugs and, and carries on through. Okay, there's a there's a market there's a market man calling over to you. Apples, apples, fresh apples, fresh off the travels. Point. point. Uh, right, you. very well, and he immediately passes you by and starts calling at the next person. Apples, apples, as you walk as you walk on. As um, Harriet exits the dock, he opens, he walks into Trident Square. There are shops all around with their big labels and things, and there are, there's a man on a canoe um, rowing past through the river, just seemingly on his way. There are horses and carriages crossing bridges. There's people all around, as, and it's just an incredibly busy and bustling place. And that's where we're going to now switch over to Galir. First off, James... What's Gaulier's deal? Okay, Gaulier's a <clears throat> dragonborn. He's from a faraway land that's unknown to him. When he was just a small, I think they're, what they're called, younglings? They're not called younglings. <laughs> that's younglings, Star Wars. <laughs> dragon, what do you call a young dragon then? Like a babby dragon? An egg. <laughs> An when, egg. when he was a wee egg. <laughs> when he was a wee egg, he was cast away from his homeland, uh, away from all the other dragonborns. He was taken in by a village called Morningwood, full of halflings. They saved him from his uh, inevitable death out on the streets by himself. Um, growing up in this new village was a bit difficult, but he learned the ways of the village, and he, because um, uh, of his large prowess and stature, he was um, used as like bodyguard and used all the uh, jobs that the halflings couldn't quite stature to. Uh, recently, he's just left the village in search for his um, search for why he was cast away from his home, and he's uh, he's a man on a mission. He's very determined, very honour bound. He likes uh, to fight for the greater good, if you will. I actually asked you earlier if you wanted any specific goal for while you were here in town and I said that you were looking for some mode of transport to make travel easier in the future. Yeah, let's shoot with that. Okay, yeah, that's right, I remember, yeah. So, uh, Gulia is actually on the other side of a, of a big kind of river coming down the middle of the town square to where Harriet has just walked in. He's near um, a bunch of markets selling food and apples and bread and wine and anything that these, these people in these little outdoor huts can sell. Lining the streets on... Um, um, the west side, we have Azov Armor Repairs. We have The Short Rest, Trinkets of Trident, Jewelers of the Tide. And to the east, we have Overflows, Trident's Prize Tavern. That's Flow, F-L-O-E, Rivish Seafood, and The Anchors Inn and Tavern. The town is decorated, as I said before, with great bridges, with um, street performers, 
beggars, merchants, passers-by, wagons, more markets and everything right down at the, the very base of this this square where the land kind of cuts off and you can kind of see more of the, the kind of open ocean, um, open water of like this big river that expands into lakes and everything as it, as it ebbs and flows through the whole country. There is a huge, um, huge golden trident with smaller tridents kind of poking off of it, almost like it's growing out like branches off a tree. Each of the spikes of the trident are shooting water out into this pool below it, making this amazing fountain, this amazing display, and a lot of tourists will gather around this place. Um, oh, and also coincidentally, that is the same morning wood that Kazix was from, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, we got some well, theming going on here with James. <laughs> the backstory. James, I'm going to say that the prequel campaign, because Kazix was a local of your town, Morningwood, uh, you as a kid, as a, as a child, when you were growing up in with the halflings, would have heard many of the stories of his travels, and that was one of the stories you've mm, heard. So, so it's all pretty thematic. Let's pretend that the opening, that was Baby Gulia being read a bedtime story. It was very crude. <laughs> in his little bed, to, well, <laughs> large bed, tucked up. Very crude and filled with dick jokes. Daddy, what's cocaine? <laughs> what's the wizard fact? He now sees this cocaine. Okay, go live. What's up on your agenda first? Well, as you said, I'm looking for a better mode of transport. But first, day he's going to intend to uh, check out a few shops. Of course, coming from a village where everyone's smaller than him, his armor and weapons are quite, well, his armor is makeshift. So I think he's going to browse uh, the armor store uh, pretty briefly. Just to see if he's got anything. Okay, you want to pop into? Let's just for your thing. We'll just have you pop into Azov Armor Repairs. There is a human man with a um kind of a ponytail going on, and he's got like a tied up beard and everything, and he's uh, shirtless, whacking at some armor with a hammer, and he kind of looks up at you with a bit of a start because dragonborns are quite uncommon in in this area, but being the melting pot. People are more kind of accepting here, even even at the border. And he kind of um, looks up and is like, Hail and well met. My name is Adolf. Welcome to my armor repairs. And he looks over your attire, which is essentially shirtless with some rags and a, and a metal like clip. And he goes, what? What 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 can I do for you? Uh, yeah, just loincloth uh, essentially. Well met, friend. I am just uh, quickly browsing. I just recently got into town. I'm just seeing if you have anything my size. Um, he looks you over and goes, "I'm afraid we don't <laughs> have anything quite of your size." Oh, understandable, friend. What um what is the uh, strongest material you uh you forge in your uh? Oh, well, the strongest material we own is probably the, um... We do have a small amount of obsidian for a, for a very high price. I thought you uh, saw, like, wizard hemp or some shit like that. No, obsidian. Obsidian is... It's from Minecraft. <laughs> oh, the thing from Minecraft. <laughs> oh, no. Right, anyway, <clears throat> um, that's, uh... I've heard many uh, tales of that, or probably try and uh, sharpen my scales with it one day, but uh, uh, good day to you, sir. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for stopping by. So Golia exits the store and looks around the town, wondering what else to do, and that's that's now when we're going to cut to Callum. Oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to you, but I'm just trying to do these little character introductions, one after the other, quite quickly. Callum, first off, who are you? <laughs> who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> who the fuck are you, Callum? I don't know. <laughs> I am um, Bryn, or as he's lovingly called, Bryn the Bard Boy. Um, he's a half-elven bard, and he's got your very typical kind of fallen-from-grace story. He was um, the son of an elven kind of military officer, and um, essentially a prostitute, or whatever you want to call her. A working lady. Mm. A working lady, yeah. A lady of the night. <laughs> 
Can I just say, Callum, your voice sounds awful sexy right now. He's in character as Callum. You could audition for Siri. <laughs> well, thank you. Along with Stevie Wonder. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like Bryn is the first character we made, so we've been waiting a long time to do this. Um, so yeah, he went to the Bard's College as a young man, but he always kind of found um, he was almost bullied, if you will, for both his race and his background, and he's kind of his radical ideas about music. I'm, I'm really waiting for the way you mentioned this. I forgot this as well, so this is going to be a treat. Oh. Um, it was his invention of a new instrument. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could you say that again, Callum? It was his invention of a new instrument. Um, lovingly dubs. <laughs> you glad you chose this now? Did you? I'm sorry, what... <laughs> Loving one more time. Lovingly dubbed the Keita. The Keita. One can only imagine what such a device the does. Kita. The inventor of the fantasy Keita. You don't want to know, my friend. Uh, what else can we know about Buttercup? I mean, Bryn. Jeez. Yeah. His original name. Buttercup. For anyone listening, his original name was going to be Buttercup, but we decided that that. We'll was... work that in somehow. Don't worry. Yeah, I can picture like. Wake up, Buttercup. Small man, you remind me of flower, Buttercup. I call you. Oh, babe. Yeah, he was kicked out from the Bard College, and um, while he still plays as a Bard, he also has some less savoury ways of making money and surviving. <laughs> He's um, got quite well-defined features, quite dark tanned skin, kind of almost platinum bright white hair, kind of tied into a ponytail on the top and then undercut on the sides. Um, he's got a little kinky cut in his <laughs> left eyebrow. <laughs> Which I always forget about. Nothing kinky about Which that. Which our friend Matthew Stevens actually has in real life. <laughs> what? Well, such a such a man would be. Oh wait, that's me. Oh, He's in character. Overall, he looks quite boyish, almost slightly flamboyant, effeminate, almost, so. and yeah, quite charming. A little bit cheeky, but bit cheeky. yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. He's definitely a handsome-looking guy. He's definitely oh. a brave out. Standing in the town square with just a cocksock on. That's brave, I, I know, he's, he's not wearing a cocksock right now. He's not wearing a cocksock. <laughs> right now. He's definitely fully he's clothed not, right he's now. He's not wearing a cocksock. Yet. <laughs> is that his weapon? Let's just say that for the only underwear he has is a... is a It's a it's like a, a thong, but it goes all the way up around his shoulders and back down. Mankini. That's his only underwear. Mankini. Jesus. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, Bryn is situated... On on a bridge, uh, not the bridge with the trident on it, but one right next to it. It's a smaller bridge. Is he playing? Is he trying to get tips off people passing by? No, yes, he's um, he's playing his fantastic instrument, the guitar. <laughs> I see I can get through it that time. The more I say it. Can we roll performance to see how good he's doing right now? If this is a critical fail, I will cry. Oh, nice. He's, he's uh, got a 16. He's playing yeah. hella good. Hella good. He's just playing a sick tune. He's playing a pretty damn good tune. He's like doing slides. He's got his case open on the floor next to him. There's a few coins in there, but nothing really substantial. Small change uh, tossed in. So yeah, he's on the bridge. He's playing. He's doing quite well. Yeah, the people are enjoying it. He's kind of, yeah, getting a bit of small change, but... There is kind of a little look in his eye that suggests he's kind of... He's kind of scanning the area, almost looking around for... For something, if you will. 
Um, what now? I guess we can go back to Harriet if you want. Yeah. yeah okay. So we're back at Harriet. Okay. You you're in basically on the opposite side of the river to where Gorlia was. You're in the same exact place. You're all in the same area. So where are you gonna go, my dude? Harriet uh, is walking through the streets, uh, trying to avoid people, but at the same time, completely taken aback by the beauty of the city. Uh, where he's from, it's mostly traveling uh, build uh, cities, so caravans and uh, and things like that. So it's it's incredible to him to see something so structurally sound and and quite beautiful that the water running through it as well and so even though he's very jadedly sort of scowling at people that walk past him and, and try to slip between them go unnoticed he is he's somewhat taken in um he walks like this until he reaches the uh, overflow trident's prize tavern uh, sensing his stomach grumble he, he realizes that he maybe should have taken some fruit when he got off the boat and looks down at the coins in his hand knowing that this is all he has left but they're also aware that he hasn't eaten properly in in a good few days he sighs and makes for the tavern you've entered the tavern and that is a different screen the tavern so i'm actually going to switch over to gulia for now Hey everyone, this is Chrissy. This is a little mid-roll bit that I'm recording just to add to the old episodes if it didn't have one. I just wanted to quickly credit Winter Garten for our theme music, which is Summer Fargle, and Mort Garson for much of the other music used. Additional sounds are sourced from freesound.org, and anything else particular to the episode is linked in the description. If you enjoy the show, follow us on facebook.com slash travellersoftheunknown, on Twitter at TOTUcast, or you could join our Discord server for live updates or to chat with the community. The link to join it is in every episode description and on the social medias. That's all from me. Enjoy the rest of your travels. Okay, back to Galea. You've just come out of the armor repairs. Coming out of the armor repairs, um, he still feels uh, inspired on his uh, journey. To his left, he sees a horse and cart. Yeah, it's paused there for the moment. The rider's just waiting. Uh, having never seen a creature of this stature before, he's uh, taken aback and finds himself staring at the uh, creature. Not knowing who it's oh, been. Got another stare. In the carriage, oh, yeah. um, there's a dwarf actually sat there, um, holding the reins of the horse, and she <gasps> looks over at him and goes, "Oh my." It's not Susan, Matt. Oh. There's more than one female dwarf I in the world. I just thought I made the jump. I'm sorry. <laughs> you did this with fucking Harriet in the previous campaign as well. I said there was a there was a. I said you thought the farmer was Harriet for a second. Because you said something that would would indicate such a thing. I think I just said that they, he was grizzled. That oh was yeah, it. my banana. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I'm projecting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she looks over again. Obviously, everyone's a little bit startled when they first see a dragonborn, and she goes. Uh, hi there. Uh, how are you doing today, uh, sir? Oh, uh, po- apologies. I uh, was uh, taken aback by this creature. It is uh, it is as dark as volume. I apologize. You've you've never seen a, a black stallion before, a black mare before? Well, uh, back in my village, we uh, we uh, only just got by. So I apologize for staring. Uh, is it a proud creature? Well, it's uh, it's taken me from place to place. Yeah, I uh, I sell gemstones and small, uh, interesting pieces of uh, boulders and rocks that I find from caverns and diggings back home. I, I've just been on my way over here to you know try and sell, make my make my fares. Have you got any interest in that sort of thing, sir? My interest is only for travel. How far would one of these creatures get if I was to ride this creature? I mean, you need a mighty big horse to be able to carry your weight. Not not 
in a fence, I'm sure it's entirely muscle. <sighs> this is the mode of transport out here uh, in the melting pot. It's how people get around, carriages, horses. I think I remember, I think I might have seen a couple horses parked in the, uh, the overflow, the tavern over there, if you wanted to go check that out, maybe. Well, thank you very much. Okay, you have a nice day, uh, thank, boy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And she uh, continues on her way. Uh, she's a bit of a she's a bit of a Texas dwarf. <laughs> it's low noon. All right, let's go. Knowledgeable of his encounter, Gorlia will um, exit the bridge and make his way over to um, the overflow. As you approach the overflow, you can in fact see a couple of horses parked um, parked <laughs> <laughs> in reverse. <laughs> Got the handbrake on. Tied in the in the stables of the place. Obviously, some some travellers have been there. There's quite a few. Maybe someone's um, selling horses inside the tavern. You're you're not quite sure. Are you gonna you're gonna enter the tavern? After a brisk look at the uh, sign, uh, Gorlia walks steadily inside. Has Gorlia ever had alcohol before? Uh, no. <laughs> well, this could be entertaining. I'm amazed that he's never seen a horse before. That's an interesting character decision you've made there. Yeah, because obviously dwarves, obviously they're too small to handle such large creatures as horses. Yeah, I suppose halflings would use ponies and things, wouldn't they? Yeah, but... exactly. He's never seen a creature of that stature and that uh, girth. Did you see how I expertly guided James to go into the same place as Matt? I know. Was... I predict such a thing might happen to Bryn. Uh, no, no, no. It doesn't doesn't necessarily happen. <laughs> so we're going back over to Bryn now? So Bryn notices that uh, time is starting to pass by, and so he decides that a day's a day, and he's going to start packing up. He kind of puts his key time <laughs> away. Soon. Soon it'll become just normal to say it. <laughs> But, but till then. Until then. Honestly, it's normal for me. I've just accepted that Kitars are a thing that exist in this universe. <laughs> he backs his Kitar away. He takes a quick look around before pulling on quite a nondescript looking cloak, shouldering his um, case and actually heading to his left off the bridge and into the small shop, the Trinkets of Trident. Just as you start to approach the store, off in the distance you hear... You hear um, a man, a man's voice, calling out, Hey, stop that half-elf over there, the half-breed, stop him! And you see um, three men kind of running in your direction. Ah, oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Where are they running at me from, sorry? Sorry, north. On this side of the river. On this side of the river, yeah. Well, he's gonna run across to the other side of the river and then he's gonna try and find like a crowd to kind of almost push his way into uh they are appro- they're continuing to follow you they're, they're pushing through crowds you're, you're pretty sure they can't quite see where you are right now but they're definitely can I roll a stealth? yeah you can roll for stealth if you wanna yeah roll for stealth to like hide yourself in the crowds oh my oh, lord damn it's a 22 we didn't have really good rolls this round um, nice. Bryn is actually very stealthy he's able to uh, lose him actually between a couple wagons and some uh, women with uh, babies and like crowds of people and everything walking past and, and the guys run over the bridge where Bryn was last standing and are currently stood near the rivish seafood looking up and down like where'd he go? Guys split out and look for him! Bryn kind of pulls up the hood on his cloak again it's quite nondescript it's grey it's quite yeah, subtle and kind of in a split the moment decision he um heads into the overflow trident prize tavern oh yeah what a natural seamless progression i didn't even make that happen he honestly i thought he was gonna 
jump into the trinket store. I didn't think that I, this just happened. You couldn't write this. Yeah, you couldn't write this. Uh, okay, swirl in uh, Overflow. Swirl in Overflow Tavern then. Uh, Overflow is a, you know, it's a large establishment. It's a nice establishment. The floors are very, you know, clean. Everything's, there's a lever on the walls. It's a, it's this kind of a red atmosphere going on. It's all very, it feels very fan, it feels very fancy. It feels very, um, the, 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 those uh, kind of circles you can see, those are tables with maybe people sat around them. There's a bar back there, like a curved bar with um, stools that people can sit on. There is a gnome who is bartending, but he has a stool. And there is also um, an elf man who is also um, working the bar with him. Um, obviously, you can see the fantasy toilets off to... Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the words fantasy toilets written there. Mm. Off to your... Off to your... Um, east i guess <laughs> i'll be all left and uh, down in the corner over in the other corner you can see kind of like a cloud of smoke as the smoking lounge where all manner of creatures are sat around smoking pipes and there's all kinds of people here there are gnomes and dwarves and men and gremlins and uh goblins everyone's here just loads of loads of all different types of fo- different types of folks uh, where would harriet head first in this situation okay uh harriet surveying the room the the colorful characters um go straight to the bar and slots himself in between a, a very large uh, a very large troll-like creature with a, a belly its belly placed on the on the counter uh, and an even smaller sort of I want to say gnome uh, who is sat drinking his sorrows away so that at, you know in a line they are in scale uh, <laughs> Harriet is the middle equation I like that you've made the decision of who's sitting where he leans on the counter without saying anything and just waits to be served okay um, I'd say this is round about when Gwalea walked in so We'll just... Uh, Golia, where would the first place Golia would go be? Uh, he sees all of the smoke in the far corner of the room, and uh, he's interested as he too can produce a sort of uh, <clears throat> smoky discharge. <laughs> so, <laughs> God, clarify. I hate to break it to you, but if you've got a smoky discharge, you need to see a doctor, my friend. You need to see a wizard. <laughs> he, well, he resembles what he can do with smoke, so he goes over to the... Um, pipe smoking lounge. Pipe smoking lounge. Yeah takes a seat. Uh, as he gets over there there's a bunch of um, bunch of different people. There's uh, just all manner of races. Just They're all like colourful characters sat around in robes and stuff. They've got big crazy pipes. There's a guy who actually kind of looks like Gandalf yeah. and he's doing the whole boat tricks and everything with the, <laughs> with the, with the, with the making it go through hoops and everything. Um, there's definitely uh, Bilbo Baggins is definitely there as well. Uh, these are their cameo appearances. What, like the actual... Yeah, the, the actual, actual Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. Baggins is there smoking mm-hmm. pot. Bilbo Baggins... Gandalf and uh, Tyrion are smoking pot together on one this sofa. This is definitely fan fiction. Travellers of the Unknown, The Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones are set in the same universe, <laughs> confirmed by the author. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> George R. R. Tolkien has said that... George R. R. Martin, it's actually not Gandalf, it's George R. R. Martin dressed as Gandalf. <laughs> So, yeah, so Golay has gone over to the smoking lounge and just kind of awkwardly sat down, I'm assuming, not quite knowing what's going on. Well, he offers to um, light someone's whatever the fuck in order to spark a conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Um... You fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Die. Be ashamed of yourself. An elderly-looking gnome holds up uh, this uh, crazy. It kind of looks like a trombone, except it's got like a, a light kind of area to it, and it's puffing smoke from these weird kind of coils coming out the sides. And like, Chrissy, out out of interest, what 
are they smoking? Oh God knows. Anyway, he he <laughs> like moves it over and like and and like a Golier offers. He goes like, yeah, oh. sure, friend. Have you got a uh, light? Golier opens his mouth, flicks his tongue in order to create a spark. Lights the is it a gnomian? Lights the gnomes. The gnome on fire. Gnome pipe. And um, from the uh, an incomprehensible journey YouTube poop, he makes a face like the guy who had a mirror straight down the back of his face, and his eyes roll, and his and his, and his uh, <laughs> fucking drug. <laughs> It's a bit of an in-joke we got going on. Um, as, as the Golia does this, the gnome, basically his eyes go super wide and you can tell they're a little bit red and he goes, <laughs> Dude! <laughs> what the fuck are you? <laughs> dude, what the fuck are you, man? Come sit with me, dude. <laughs> hey, dude, come check out my rug. Golia confusedly <laughs> moves over to the couch. I'm liking this lizard, dude, man. <laughs> Golia moves over to the couch, sits on the far end of the couch, which springs the gnome up into the air slightly. The flies up into the air and lands on the floor. <laughs> on the table. Like, Bruh. He is gone. I love the contrast between our two stories here, James. <laughs> <laughs> having like a weird discovery adventure. You're like an edgy bloke that's gone into a bar. edgy edge lord McGee. <laughs> okay, and it's around this point when Bryn is going to enter the bar. Um, okay. Off in the distance, you can still hear cries of someone calling out, like, um, "You two, I want you guys to start splitting up and searching all the shops. He's got to guard somewhere. He can't have gone far. Okay, nobody steals from me and lives to tell." the tail, okay? okay? Um, keeping his hood up and walking at a slower pace, but still quite briskly, he heads over to the corner here, and um, as he goes to sit down, oh, what would I roll for pickpocket? So, Rin is in the smoking bar, uh, the, yeah, it would be sleight of hand if you wanted to pick someone's pocket. Sleight of hand. Oh, oh my lord. lord. 18. Um, Decent. whose pocket are you trying to pick? Um, just the, a random fellow at the bar, let's say it's a... It's the guy of... who looks like George R. R. Martin's dressed as Gandalf. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and he actually lifts George R. R. A, a pipe from George R. R. Martin's pocket and then sits on this kind of other sofa over here and kind of asks, anyone got a light? Gordia flicks his tongue <laughs> in his mouth, signifying a spark. Uh, still controlled by the gnome, he uh, makes eye contact with Bryn across the... Table. Uh, you can actually sit next to Golir because the gnome who was sat next to him has been bounced off the couch, as you oh, remember. Okay, he, he's going to move off next to Golir. Hold, hold his pipe over. Golir swishes his tongue around his front teeth, creating two ginormous sparks that fly neatly into the pipe. I love that this is how they meet. It's beautiful. <laughs> he then proceeds to ask, what brings you to this tavern, I believe? Oh, that's a neat trick, mate. What brings me here? Ah, uh, well, um, let's just say I'm not very popular around some places, shall we? Oh, not known by many. I can assume by that. Sorry, uh, just you say that again. Um, you cut out a little bit. Sorry. No, sorry. Let, let, me, let, me, let me deconnect and reconnect. What's that? <laughs> eyes roll back in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Galea's eyes roll back in his head. And from <laughs> the, the, the silence and then... Well, let's just say that my line of work... You don't make many friends. So you are a man that knows his way around, then? Oh, you could say that, aye. I think we may... Think we may? Oh, dear. Oh, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> um, hey, uh, James? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to fiddle with some of these settings whilst trying to make conversations. Not While working. you're doing that, we could pop over to Har Harriet for a second. Let's just say they, uh, they make light conversation, then, shall we? Uh, get to know each other. And then we're going to go back over to Harriet, who is at the bar... 
and um the elf bartender walks over to him rubbing a glass and um and he he looks towards the giant kind of ogre person who was sat next to harriet his head is kind of waving and the the elf goes all right bertha i think you've had enough tonight and uh the ogre kind of like goes kind of nods like and then just kind of like slumps off the chair and starts walking towards the the tavern doors kind of dropping out of them as it leaves he then um the elf guy uh, bartender then turns to Harriet. I haven't seen you here before. What'll it be then, sir? I need something to eat. Do you sell food? Hey, we have some food here. We got uh, chips, fantasy pork scratch. I'm trying to think what's the kind of food they would have in a tavern? Uh, what they call it? What's this thing? Um, we have like a, a leg of lamb. Not a lamb, like a leg lamb of shank. I could certainly get you a sandwich, maybe a grilled one if you wanted. Uh, cheese and uh, pulled pork in there, stuff like that. Is it extra to be grilled? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I could give it to you raw if you wanted, just bread and pork. And I'll have it raw, please. You got an electrum piece? I've got a gold if you've got change. Yeah, he give, takes the gold, gives you one, so you now have, uh, you've lost one, one GP, you have one EP. And he um, walks over and starts making you a sandwich. It's in good condition. This is a, not a shabby place. It's a nice place. He's taking the bread out of the container and everything. He has a little f- mini fridge. Makes you... It looks like a very nice, if a bit overpriced, a very, very nice looking sandwich. And he puts it down. But it's, but it's not cooked, correct? No, it's not cooked, no. But he, he puts it down. Well, the pork is obviously cooked, but he... Uh, have anything to drink, sir? Just water, please. All right. And he goes over the tap, pulls you a glass and puts it down beside you. And a goblin uh, from across the bar has now come up and taken the seat next to you. Uh, not next to you, but like a couple seats away from you. And the bartender goes over and starts serving okay. them instead. Harriet uh, looks around cautiously before sparking a small flame in his hand and grilling it himself. Oh, shit. Character. Oh, that is edge. As he sparks oh, a small fire uh, and cooks himself uh, a delicious sandwich bites into it um, and begins to look around the bar noticing the uh, the odd couple in the corner <laughs> the dragon and the gnome on the floor the dragon who is now gaining a, he's actually gaining a lot of attention now of everybody very impressed with his uh, smoke and fire tricks yeah Kind of spurred on by Brian, I suppose. Harry looks over and uh, just as he does, realizes his satchel is undone and that his mask is hanging out. He h- rushes it back in and, and tightens it without anyone noticing, or well, as best he can. The goblin, who's actually sat uh, a couple seats away from you and now has a tall pint of ale and he's gulping it down like it's his fifth one of the night or something, and he turns over to you and goes, Why so shifty there, buddy, eh? Uh, Harriet tries to ignore him and just continues to eat his food and he kind of gets up and takes the seat that was uh empty next to you you mind if i sit here ah, i've been looking for some sort of company you look new you know look like an interesting fella i can usually tell an interesting fella when i see one harriet hones his eyes at him and continues to ignore him uh, you don't feel much like talking well why don't we get some of this down you and he hands you a, a pint of ale as well the, the the half glass he has left it's very coined but uh I'll pass, thank you. Oh, come on, man. You don't look like you got a lot of money on you. What, you just uh, coming from some kind of horse and carriage? You coming from... Where, where are you coming from? None buddy? of your damn business. Would you please leave me be? You try to make a friend in this place. Say it's a friendly place. Charge a lot. Not the sort of person you want as a friend, okay? Now please leave me be. Yeah, maybe I'll go talk to the fucking dragon over there who's doing smoke tricks. And the goblin kind of gets up and starts walking off, kind of stumbling as he walks. Fine. Did he take his drink? Yeah, he took his drink. Oh, uh, no, actually, I'm going to say he left it because he's a drunk guy. <laughs> Harriet looks around before 
gulping what's left of it down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll go back over to Bryn and uh, Golia for a second. What do you guys? What do you guys have now? I, I'm assuming so. Golia is getting a lot of attention from people. So George R. R. Martin is passed out, but the um, the gnome from earlier is now back up, and he's going, "Look at this guy's fire tricks! It's amazing, everyone." The 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 goblin from from who was talking to Matt um, or Harriet walks over, and he's like, "What's that? I hear about some fire tricks. I, I haven't seen a dragonborn in a long." Long time. You look like a strong fella, don't you? Not usually used to large crowds of people. Uh, Gourley recedes back into his chair, trying to avert the attention away, trying to make more conversation with Bryn. Hey guys, I think we might be giving the poor guy stage fright. <laughs> back off a little, will ya? And pulls out a pipe of his own and goes, wouldn't mind giving it a light, though, would ya? Gourley takes a hefty sigh, swirls his tongue one more time, but this time, as well as producing one spark, he rolls a second in his mouth for a short while before um, opening his mouth in the direction of the goblin, signaling him to uh, get lost. Oh, damn. So you just, like, opened your mouth and there's, like, an actual, like... Is, did any fire come out or was it just, like, a threat? Uh, it's just, like, a small threat. It's kind of, um, I want to say, animalistic, going back, like, uh, he uh, doesn't want much attention, so he's trying to scare off the goblin in like a reaction oh, to the crowd kind of backs off a bit all a bit intimidated by the possibility of a dragonborn using his flame breath on on all of them and the goblin goes okay okay i can see that somebody's not feeling much like talking to me like everybody in this bar apparently and he kind of sits on a couch a little um he sits on a couch a bit far away from Golir and continues to puff from his uh his own little pipe that he's got Bryn kind of noticing how uncomfortable Gorlier is kind of stands up offers a sound like a Come on, let's go to the bar. I'll get you a drink. Oh, well, Matt, thank you, friend. I don't usually do well in crowds. I apologize if I may have intimidated you. Nah, you're fine. Go on, let's get out of here. Many thanks. You lead the way. Kind of helps him up a little, although Gorlia definitely weighs an awful lot more than Brink and Karen, so it was kind of a futile effort. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of more of a... Gorlia definitely stood up on his own. It's more of a gesture of Brin to pretend to help him (laughs) up. Yeah, Brain kind of leads the way over to the bar, where he sits just here. <laughs> <laughs> Brynn has taken the seat right next to Harriet. And Gorlia sits right here. The two have sat uh, beside each other next to Harriet. Um, am, I, am, I doing, am I doing a good job at getting this? a good job, it's a good job. Harriet, hold up, Harriet. hold up, wait, hold up, hold up. Okay, I'm very sorry that our travellers have only just kind of come together, but... I have right. to and, stop uh, now. I guess we'll see what exciting thing gets them all talking next time. It's kind of a cliffhanger. See ya when I see ya. Next time on um, me and Matt and James are all in the same place. You talk over me. It goes on my recording. I'll open my nostrils especially wide <laughs> and they cheers. <laughs> Good noise.